Hi, this is Tricia Lewis and welcome to the Make It Real podcast aimed at small business owners to help you build your business without selling your soul. I've walked the walk, my guests have walked the walk and now we're all talking the talk from branding, content creation, marketing to fear sorting and real you unsquashing so many insights and tips. So stay tuned. why not do something different I thought and um, there was I in an online event with Liam and we were being told about how we should share the fact that we're a fan of things Uh, this was David Meerman Scott he's the author of the book Fanocracy and it was a you of the media event and uh, Liam and I have been part of that community for ages and lo and behold inspiration struck and I thought I am a fan of Star Trek and Liam is a fan of Star Wars. Why don't we do a Star Trek versus Star Wars podcast episode as a Christmas special? And then as we started digging into it, we realized that actually the points we were going to talk about were utterly suited to this podcast and completely transferable to the world of business. So aren't we complete geniuses? Um, So let me introduce Liam a bit more. Liam Toms uh, is, well, he's about all things media and communications. He's both a consultant and he works in-house with Grapevine. um, And he just makes sense of all that kind of media strategy and websites and all that stuff. But we're not really here to talk specifically about that. We are so going to talk about Star Trek and Star Wars and listen up because you're going to actually learn more than you might think although this will also be fun. I think the first thing I should do is get Liam into um, my spaceship. (laughs) (laughs) He's in his own own spaceship he doesn't want to be in mine because mine's a Star Wars one Um, and Liam just say hi and tell the listeners when your first sort of love for Star Wars happened? Well, um, I, I, I may have misled you a little bit. So on, on LinkedIn, when we were talking about this last week, I said that um, it was uh, one of these two franchises that was the beginning of my career. Well, I, I sort of pinpoint as being the beginning, but it wasn't actually Star Wars. It was Star Trek. Oh. So, so I didn't get into Star Wars till a lot later. But when I was about two years old, I managed to, um, either I was taught or I managed to teach myself how to use the, uh, the, the VHS, the VCR, to, uh, to set the timer to record episodes of Star Trek for my granddad, who we lived with at the time. Um, now, I've, this story's been told time and time again, as you, as you might expect from proud parents, about how you know, much of a, a child prodigy I was being able to, uh, to mastermind the, the, the VCR at that age. Um, but I decided to use it in my, my personal statement for UCAS for when I applied to university as a kind of like media has been part of my life for as long as I remember. So I do have Star Trek to thank, actually, I, I believe, for, um, for, the, for the route that I've, I've sort of found myself on in life. Uh, but Star Wars came later um, and I can I can actually remember exactly when it was. So it was, uh, I, I think it was probably 97, perhaps 98, around the time that they re-released the original trilogy uh, in the lead up to the, the prequel trilogy that George Lucas did in the late 90s. Um, and I can remember being in a family event and in another room, uh, my uncle and um, some other people were watching a, uh, a VHS copy of A New Hope. So I, I sort of walked in and it was from the scene where R2 and 3PO land on uh, Tatooine. 
and I was absolutely just spellbound by it. And I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't quite understand what it was because it looked familiar to other things that I'd seen, but I, I wasn't aware of that property. I hadn't actually seen those characters because for a long time in the nineties, Star Wars kind of went away. Obviously it was sort of late seventies, early eighties that it was, you know, particularly big. Um, so this was sort of the beginning of Star Wars coming back in, in, a, in a huge way. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I don't think I even remember watching that much of it. I just, I just sort of sat there for a bit and then returned to whatever was going on in other parts of the house. Um, but I can still remember like, cause it was middle of summer and obviously Tatooine's like the desert planet. So it was a warm day anyway. And there was like a window open. There was a breeze coming through and I could just, I can remember it all so specifically. Um, and, and the rest is kind of history in a way. So after that, I was just completely uh, keen to find out more about it. And I think I managed to borrow uh, the, the, the trilogy on, on VHS. Uh, and it set me up perfectly for when the, uh, the new films came out in cinemas in 99. Oh, what a great story. And this is the, that emotion. It, I love the way you describe that, because that's why we, we remember things so well, is all those little emotional connections, you know, like you say, the weather, the place you were, the thing, and then go, oh, I love it. And in fact, um, emotion is kind of where we're, we're heading with this chat, because I would just tell the listeners, by the way, I have no such amazing story. Um, and there is no connection to my um, life as it panned out whatsoever connected to Star Trek. I just remember watching the original series as a, a I don't know, 10, 11, 12, 13, that sort of age where you begin to realise that, you know, members of, you know, the same sex or the opposite sex, I'm not, you know, are something to be interested in. <laughs> And so I just remember, although I don't think it was conscious, because I think I was a bit too young, just being very attracted to Captain Kirk. And I think we just need to get that out there. And William <laughs> Shatner has just remained one of my sort of really kind of guilty pleasures. And I actually have two CDs of his. Um, oh, brilliant, yeah. He kind of I'm sings. aware of them. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of talk sing. Um, but his voice is just, oh, anyway, let's not get into that because that's a whole different thing. But I also remember loving the adventures of each episode. And, you know, I was quite young at the time, but, you know, it was the, we're going back to the time when the sets looked like polystyrene and all that stuff. So, um, but like, of course, Star Wars, it had this rebirth. So they've got that in common. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, Yeah. Yeah, they, they, I mean, obviously Star Trek came uh, before Star Wars, but in terms of like how they've um, sort of stuck around in popular culture, they, they kind of run in parallels in a way, because obviously in the 90s, you had the uh, the Next Generation series, which was obviously a big thing. Um, and, and even now, I mean, getting into streaming, uh, I, I've not seen any of them yet, but I keep seeing the, the thing pop up on Netflix for the Star Trek Discovery series, which is the latest one. So, you know, it, it, they, they have kind of had those sort of like um, shared experiences of, 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 of navigating the sort of changing media landscape that we've seen in the last 30, 40 years. Exactly. It's really interesting. And, and you get into the music and, um, and all of that sort of stuff as well. There are, there are lots of common threads. But then, of course, there's lots of things that are very different. So we're going to delve in, listeners, to um, four if we've got time. Um, this is the kind of conversation that could go on for hours. But don't worry, it won't. We might do it in two parts. Who knows? I came up with four possible things for us to discuss. And Liam thought, yeah, that works. So one, 
do simpler sets i just refer to the polystyrene from my youth allow more space for human connection and of course you could relate that to branding you know do you overcomplicate things and lose that connection with your audience number two the role of music in emotional pull number three fallibility the need for characters to show this and vulnerability in order to pull us in on an emotional level and care of course that's relevant to us in business and number four if we get around to it can we relate emotionally to an artificial being you know like the cyborgs and stuff so right let's go let's go for the i, I mentioned that from the original series obviously the sets in star trek were pretty basic i can't think now about the films i think i get a sense if my memory serves me right that there's less chung, 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 in star trek than there is in star wars do you agree yeah the, uh, the pew pew as they yeah. call it yeah um yeah i mean i i you have to tell me more about star trek because I, I i would admit i don't actually remember any of the uh the original shows because yeah, you're uh, really young liam that's yeah. why <laughs> yeah i was i was recording them not for myself um but yeah so, so my knowledge of obviously star trek is that it's, it's much more about the um the science fiction and the discovery more so than the uh the conflict side of things so yeah 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 and and, and do you think with all, you know, it's such a spectacle. And this is a, a general thing about films these days anyway. You know, the, the special effects stuff. Mm. You know, does that, do you think that potentially lessens our emotional connection with the characters? Well, it's interesting because looking at the, the two, the original two trilogies that George Lucas worked on. So the first one was made in the late 70s was much more reliant on practical effects. Uh, and then when he came back in the late 90s and, and technology had advanced, it was it was much more green screen. Uh, and that was the thing that I think people had a lot of uh, pushback on with, with, with that prequel trilogy. They didn't feel quite the same connection because the actors weren't in those physical sets. They were just acting against a, a, a blank wall, essentially. Um, and yeah, there's lots of criticism about sort of how wooden the, the acting is in, in the prequel trilogy. Uh, I mean, what, what I was saying in George Lucas's defense is that having that technology at his hands did allow him to create these sort of grand landscapes to sort, sort of world build. But really, I, I think probably if you ask most people, they would be in agreement that the, uh, the sort of the character building uh, exists more in the original trilogy. And, and it, is, it is in thanks to those, uh, the practical and the, the, the physical sets, which weren't uh, quite as in depth. So, they, so they were simpler sets. So in answer to your, to your question, I, I think the simpler sets probably did um, help to, to get that um, emotional connection across. Now they're doing the uh, the, the series on, on Disney Plus, which is the new streaming platform. Uh, the technology's obviously advanced again, so that they, they don't have green screens now. What they have is a similar thing, but they actually project uh, what the uh, characters will be seen against on the show into this room. So they, they can do this now. It's fantastic. It's called The Volume. So it's John Favreau who's the, the creator and involved in a lot of this. And it really is going to rev revolutionise uh, TV and, and cinema and the ability to make uh, TV series on, on, on a scale that looks cinematic. Um, and, and they've managed to, with that, uh, bridge the gap between the two. So you, you've got a, a basically simple set there. Uh, but what you end up seeing... It, it, on, on film it obviously looks incredible it looks as if it was like a full sort of green screen production so yeah I think there's a lot to be said about sets and, and, and how well that portrays the story 
I think that is fascinating because in a way it's, it's about truth, isn't it? And, you know, authenticity. And as an actor, you know, I, I would... I would, I would certainly have a problem with the green screen, green screen thing. Um, but then equally, I'm a theatre actor, not a film actor. And I mean, there's a big difference between those two as well. Um, but it, the, if, the, if you, whether you're the actor or whether you're the business owner or whatever you are, if you're not sort of feeling it, there might be a slight, a slight element of, the audience not quite feeling it as well it, it could be quite subtle but i should think it's jolly hard work for those actors to be in a green screen situation and really get that depth of being there um so i i think that that there 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 is a definite link there listeners even if i'm going to leave you with it to think about yourselves but i want to move on to music because i think i mean music is just blinking amazing full stop in terms yes. of it we, we yeah, have that connection it? as just... well don't we both having uh, been involved in music in our past yeah exactly um yeah music just emotions you know it does um i did reminiscence work for quite a few years um so i was going into care homes and um telling stories and showing items and reading poems and playing music uh, to people with dementia and you know so i I kind of learned a bit about what the brain does on music and it, and it is something different. It's a bit like with storytelling as well. Mm. You know, there's sort of, it kind of fires off stuff, doesn't it? So, absolutely, yeah. So I, I, I don't know whether we, whether we think one um, theme is more emotionally connecting than the other. What do you think? Star Wars, Star Trek. Do you want to sing? Do you want to sing? So, I, okay, I'll do you the start. I'll do you the start. That's perfect. Thank you. Do you want us to do Star Wars now, Liam? Please. Uh, well, which one to do? Um, what well, the, the 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 main the title? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, it, it's it's funny, isn't it? I, I think both of the uh, in both of the the, the franchises, I, I think music is is used to establish that um, sort of suspension of, of disbelief, really. With it. It, it, it sort of it drifts you off into this fantastical world. Um, and I mean, obviously, uh, Star Wars is probably more fantasy, whereas Star Trek is more sci-fi. But in both of those, it's 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 trying to sell you the the you know the unbelievable, isn't it? Um, and, and I think that the music is, is part of, of taking you on that journey. I, I've, I've recently um, put a, a controversial thing out on, on Facebook, uh, just criticising people who, who skip the intro to TV shows, which is something that the Netflix platform now gives you the option to do. And to me, it's sacrilege. Because the, the, the theme, regardless of what show it is, it's a creative decision that the, the, um, the people behind it have made. And you're, you're meant to see it. You're meant to hear that music because it, begins to take you on that journey it's the same as an, as an album having a, a cover you know for, for for a record or whatever it's supposed to set you up for what you're about to experience so i think i think music is is hugely important uh something that we've been doing um each friday so the the the, the current star wars series the mandalorian which which drops every friday on the disney plus platform uh in a build-up to that what I do is I actually put on some classic Star Wars music for about half an hour before we actually sit down to watch it. 
Um, and obviously there's music in the new show as well, but I just like to set the scene that much because to me, it's a religious experience. Um, and I, I, at first I thought perhaps my, uh, my girlfriend thought I was, I was crazy doing this, but I think she's come to enjoy it as well. And the thing that we've noticed uh, this year is that um, it's kind of given you the, the cinema experience. Because when you go into the cinema and you sit down, you take to your seats, there is sort of like quietly some uh, classical, normally uh, soundtrack music playing in the background. Um, and it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's sort of serving that purpose of, of just getting us ready to, to watch um, the production, even though it's on the small screen. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, I come from, you know, the 60s and 70s and the iconic theme tunes to, to films. Oh, my gosh. And also even, um, in fact, there was a whole program about this that I watched on some channel the other night um, about theme tunes uh, from TV. Yes, I think I, I did actually see yeah, this. I think it might have uh, been on BBC. John Neil, Neil Brand. Neil, he's a composer and theatre director. Um, yeah, I did see this because I thought, given that I'd um, made that sort of bold claim recently, I should probably uh, <laughs> stick to my words and, uh, and watch that show because that does sound really good. interesting. Yeah, it was really, really good. And I mean, and they went back to things like, you know, um, Robinson Crusoe. And I remember Robinson Crusoe. I cannot forget, uh, because it must have been at a particular age, black and white TV, you know, one of the, uh, well, it was just a theme tune that I, 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 it just brings me straight back. I mean, I say every time you hear it, you don't really hear it unless you do it deliberately. Dixon of Doc Green even, I mean, I'm going right back. But then you've got Coronation Street and Easter. You know, there's a lot of thought put into that. I mean, it's not Absolutely. just thrown together, is it? No, I, I, I dread the idea of a world where you just go into like a cold open into a show. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel yeah. right to me at all. No, it's really interesting. And I feel terrible that I've ever skipped an intro in my life now. I, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> there you go. Actually. You'll think of me every time you see it. And you'll be sat yeah. there resenting the, the, the same intro for the 50th I've time. I've never done it on the first time. It's only when it's a series and you do it after the first or second time. But yeah, we'll, 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 skip, by, we'll skip by that. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. Yeah. So the emotional pull of music, um, you know, is something to consider. Um, but equally, if you just chuck music in for the sake of it, I mean, there probably were times during both films where, you know, we could have thought, do you know what, can you cut the blinking music now? It's, it's too much. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard George Lucas say before that he, one, he considers uh, John Williams, who's obviously the, the composer yeah. for the original trilogy, uh, to, to be the, uh, the sort of the secret source to Star Wars, really, and that it doesn't work without him. But also that you could just as easy cut out all of the dialogue and just have it as a silent film because the music is that good. So I, I, I don't know. Um, oh, well. The, that, that's that's a that's a really really good point you couldn't do that in star trek you definitely couldn't do that in star trek so i i think that that is a fundamental difference you're right it's richer it's um yeah and i mean part of star trek that opening theme is again back to what i started talking about which is william shatner's vocal tones because he's talking at the beginning of so, course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, the, the spoken the intro yeah <laughs> um so moving on to the next one now this is fascinating fallibility 
vulnerability. So in business, we're constantly talking about how you've got to be real. Well, I, I talk about it a lot. You, you've got to show some of your fallibility, some of your backstory, not all the perfect gloss um, for people to be able to connect with you and engage and feel that they're building a relationship with you and trusting you and knowing you and, and not thinking, oh, clever two shoes, perfect world person, don't want to know, you know. So in terms of that emotional trust building, caring, the fact that you care about these characters in these films, um, do you feel that in Star Wars and has there been an, a bit of an arc or a journey that that's gone on since the early days? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sits differently in each of the different trilogies, but they, they kind of have their own arcs for each of them. I mean, I think now people are kind of looking at it and I think Disney are kind of marketing it as sort of one long um, saga of films, but it's worth remembering that they were set up and the storytelling works in, in sort of three separate trilogies. But uh, I mean, the, 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 perhaps the example that people will be more aware of is The Empire Strikes Back, which um, basically takes all of the heroes from the first film and just shakes them all up and, and basically puts them in situations where they're not the hero. They, they, they do make mistakes. But the one that I go to um, in terms of fallibility is actually uh, The Last Jedi, which was sort of uh, received... Um, in, in, in quite a uh, divisive kind of way. I think people either really liked it or, or, or didn't like it at all. Um, and a lot of it comes down to how uh, Luke Skywalker was, was portrayed in it because it's the only film really in the, in the new trilogy that features heavily his character. Uh, and the whole story, and spoilers if you've not seen it, <laughs> but I, I assume people probably have now, uh, the, the story centers around how he's basically walked away from the fight. Uh, and, and, and really what it's dealing with is a character's depression and the, uh, the inability to live up to the legend of Luke Skywalker. So it, I think what it does do is it, it kind of weaves in the sort of the meta as well of, of how we consider Luke Skywalker in the, real, in the real world. And I think that's why it touched the nerve with a lot of people, because suddenly they were seeing their hero, someone that they looked up to, down on his knees, essentially. And, um, and, and I think even past the just depression in general, the way that they actually handled the character and the decisions that they made, it wasn't just showing somebody that was just, um, you know, uh, grumpy and sort of like shut away. He was, he was showing signs of um, just sort of like, uh, of, of, of mania in a way like, so, so in, the, in the opening scene where um, uh, Ray, who's the, the central character of the new trilogy, she goes to try and hand him back his lightsaber. And I think people either think that he's going to sort of, um, you know, take up the mantle and, and return to the fight or, or sort of like hand it back to her. But instead this, this thing happens, which I don't know whether they tried to play it for laughs or not, but he just sort of like looks at it and just casually tosses it over his shoulder. And people hate this because it's so hard for them to see him just basically discard his legacy. But I think that says a lot about, um, you know, depression that we don't consider as like a kind of like a, um, uh, a sort of a, a go-to sign of someone being depressed. It's, it's really, you know, it's really quite cutting to see him, see him struggling in, with, with, with dealing with his legacy uh, in that way. And for me, it's, it's what made a fantastic film, but for other people, uh, yeah, they, they think otherwise. Is that the one before last? Is that yes, yes, yeah. it's the one that came out. I think two thousand. Well, that was it for me. I remember, you know, you know, in the old days when we used to be able to sit in cinemas. Yes. Um, so I remember sitting in a big cinema in Bournemouth, and I remember saying to um, the people I was with afterwards, "Oh my God, that one really, that one really got me." And one of the people I was with said, oh, "I don't know, I don't know, I didn't like that one so much." 
it was a male, um, but I'm not going to make any gender stereotypes. But for me, that one hit home emotionally. And it's Absolutely. really great to hear you say that because I hadn't really deconstructed it. But yeah, that, that it was all there. The, the human fallibility and, and moods and not being what you expect and, and all of that. Oh, my gosh, that's that's why it, that's why it really grabbed me. Oh, that, what a great insight well, it's, and, it's kind of a, it's imposter syndrome isn't it in, in yeah. a way and, it, and it's and it's showing that you can still struggle with that regardless of of, of how successful you've been or at what point you are in your yeah. career as a jedi master or whatever yes. it might be that your profession is absolutely and interestingly there is a common link with star trek because um all the characters at some stage have this moment where they just that they're not being themselves or they've fallen to pieces i mean you've got the are you, there's a classic one I remember where Captain Kirk becomes mean and evil and horrible, a bit like in Superman, one of the Superman things, you know, you've got that sudden hot, and, and we're all thinking, no, 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 because you're not like that, that's not you, stop being like that. But it's because we care, it's because we, we care, and there's a point where, of course, you get um, Spock, doing the who's who's put up as this kind of not very human sort of thinking not very emotional anyway thinking person and very cold and but but gosh i mean the amount of emotional connection we have with him because every now and then he slips into this yeah and you see this 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 confusion and this him having to work himself out and and not quite and then you've got you know that that amazing scene where he where, where he dies basically you know, um, I will always be your friend, um, and Captain Kirk in tears, and and it sounds like it. In many ways, it could sort of seem like a very overacting thing, but it's it's not. It's it's just two humans being incredibly um, sort of all over the place and not being perfect. Um, I'm in charge, and yes, and I'm the logical one, and you'll do this, and that's. It's just all sort of just oh god, this is awful, um, and. Uh, it's yeah uh there are all sorts of quotes we could come up with um what have i got for that one? Oh, this is an interesting one i've never understood the female capacity to avoid a direct answer to any question <laughs> i'm just throwing that in there listeners okay you can Sorry, discuss was, that <laughs> was that kirk or spock <laughs> that was spock <laughs> okay yeah um but moving on um because I, lo- I we could go on forever on that one that's such an interesting topic can we relate emotionally to an artificial being finally so i guess i don't i'm not geeky about star trek so i cannot reference every episode um i can only say cyborgs because that's the obvious example you know so um and i i don't remember ever I don't remember ever feeling that emotionally uh, involved with the artificial type beings in Star Trek in the same way that I did in Star Wars. So there we go. Yeah, I, I guess in, in Star Wars, uh, the, the, the droids are sort of front and centre. They are almost as main characters as, as Luke, Leia and Hana, really. Um, Interestingly, so in, in the, the latest film, which I assume you've seen, The Rise of Skywalker, there's, there's a character in that um, called Dio, which is a, a droid that's been um, abused. It's like, it's like an animal, like a pet that's, that's, that's been you know, mistreated. Um, and when they first announced the film and showed some um, footage from it, 
they he, the, the sound was was more similar to r2d2 it was more sort of beeps and it actually sounded almost like a clanger <laughs> if you remember those yes um, by the time the film came out they'd actually given it a voice and it's it's voiced by uh jj abrams who directed the film and, and directed the uh some of the recent star trek films as well um and that made a huge difference actually because even though he wasn't speaking like uh, c-3po speaks it was like um like a basic version of of, of, of speech um and I, I wonder whether they did that to try and uh, to to make more of a connection with the audience about the experience that this this droid had had that they kind of like nursed back and and brought into the the, the adopted family of of, of the star yeah. wars uh, That's set really of characters yeah, because it's interesting because in Star Trek, they nearly always had a human that what they did was they put human bodies and faces onto strange aliens. And, mm -hmm. and so they tried to humanize to. And in fact, of course, Captain Kirk was I, I remember him falling in love with uh, on a number of occasions with women who looked absolutely beautiful and perfect. But we are going back to the 60s and 70s here. So though, in terms of PC-ness and females and representation, forget it. Right. But anyway, he was then conned because then what happened was this woman, it turned out that this was just a kind of artificial um, face thing. And then she sort of would gradually become the evil thing underneath and it, so most most of the effects they had were often there was there were very human f sort of characteristics and faces and sometimes you were deceived into thinking it was something it wasn't it was all very clever but i but but the things in star wars are quite definitely bits of metal to put it to put it bluntly yeah and i absolutely know that i emotionally connect with him i'm sure i was shedding a tear or two in the one before last um you know for what was a non-human thing and, and and just to put a completely different thing on that we've got my son gave me a gift for being here in lockdown with us um and it's one of those hoovers that just goes around on its own um it's called eufy yeah, um yeah. and we have developed a relationship with it so <laughs> i should yeah we talk to it we say oh and sometimes it gets muddled up in something we've left on the floor oh no now come on get away from that we say like we don't have any pets um we probably have star wars to thank for that <laughs> interestingly yeah. so so um so diving into the uh the, the sort of the wider star yeah. wars canon and, and the books and comics and stuff they are slowly building up this storyline uh, of this uh, organization called the droid gotra and basically there are a bunch of droids that are got together that are fighting for equal rights for droids um which is obviously like they're, they're, they're trying to make parallels with, with obviously what's happening with activism in the real world uh but it's a really good point and, and i think it's something that people haven't perhaps considered before i mean if you go back to the original trilogy uh han solo is 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 so nasty to see for epo in, in the way that he bosses him around and talks yeah. to him and uh yeah so i think i think star wars is really starting to um to consider this and i and i guess it makes sense with obviously real world considerations right now around ai you know if, if yeah. we create these ai systems you know what sort of rights would they then have i mean i don't want to go down that path but um I, i'm sure we'll hit that point at, at some stage oh wow Oh, I mean, that's a fascinating debate. Oh, my gosh. But I think because it's appealing to such a wide audience now, you are having to consider a really wide set of, uh, of sort of views and, and opinions on, on these sorts of matters. There was uh, a bit of um, 
a, uh, a negative response that, that came to the, the solo uh, standalone film that did a few years ago, where it was, it was shown that the, um, the, the voice of the Millennium Falcon is actually a droid that, uh, that, that, that died in battle, and they managed to upload its sentience to the, the ship itself. So that, and that, that on the surface seems really nice. It's like, great, the droid lives on forever. And there's a group of people that came out and was like, you've trapped the droid inside the ship against its will. <laughs> yes. It's a bit like in Star Trek, of course, the cyborg, they have this, they have what, the hive mind, which you, yeah. we've also seen that in Doctor Who, something similar, haven't we? This, this kind of living kind of mind that is collectively working for everybody and sort of existing in its own right. And, and you, and, and in many ways that is, yeah, that does go into the debate of, you know, what, what are we as humans? Are we a load of firing off brain cells or are we a physical body? And does one live on after the other? And, and, um, should, and, and also the connecting thing, because actually brains, we, especially in these lockdown days, we have to remember that we are designed for our brains are designed to be working with other people's brains. Mm-hmm. You know, that's profound, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I think with what both of these franchises do is they kind of give us that, um, that sand box or sand pit, as we would say in the UK, U- US is a bit more sand box, isn't it? Uh, but to, to play with these real world ideas and to do it in a way, almost like the, the same with computer games, to do it in a way that, that I'd say doesn't hurt people, but actually uh, <laughs> once you do put it up on the screen, sometimes it does. Uh, but it allows us to sort of see things and, and, and have it reflected, have reality reflected back at us. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and I think obviously with both of these where you've, we've got that fantastical element about it, it allows you to do it in a way that isn't like, I don't know, like um, Line of Duty or, or something like that, where it is yeah. it's more real world. Um, I don't know why that was the, the show that came to mind, but um, <laughs> Yeah, that was um, a great show. Um, yeah. No, you, you absolutely. That is a really, really good point. And I think using this kind of stuff in schools and education, all sorts, should be a, an absolute. It's a, it's a gift, isn't it? Because you're right. You, 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 you allow people. You give permission, almost without them realizing it, that they're starting to talk through things because they're not thinking of it as too personal. Um, mm. And then lo and behold, that conversation can kind of expand out a bit. And before you know what's happened, you're, you're very much talking about the personal, but in a way that hasn't felt um, awkward or intrusive um, and everyone's been able to join in. I, I, I think what a place to leave this conversation, because this is like hope for the future, isn't it? This is hope for the future. Absolutely. I mean, George Lucas has been on record many a time as, as saying that, you know, Star Wars was intended as like a morality tale for a 12 year old that's just starting to take their steps into the real world. Um, and the things that it teaches them is, is setting them up for what they're, they're going to expect as they as they get older. Um, so, yeah, Abs- I, I, absolutely. I mean, you, you've got a, you've got an episode called The Empath. If you look back on the old original Star Trek, you know, which kind of goes into this idea of, of empathy and and. Um, feelings for other people and how it can affect you if you go too far with it. I'm not, I mean, the, the, honestly, you could go on and on forever collecting all. St- I think, I think, I hope you'll agree with this. I think we've ended up. We we haven't had a galactic sort of battle on on this. I think no, we've ended up feeling good about both. Yeah. And, yeah. And I bought a couple of things just as like a, a peace offering as well, just to show you. So as well as collecting Star Wars merchandise, I also collect Pez dispensers, which you may remember. I've actually got two Star Trek sets 
Oh. So if I just put this in front of the camera, you should be able to see Kirk there. Please show me Kirk. Kirk. Oh, well, yeah, I I'm not the sure is. <laughs> I really don't think they've quite captured his, whatever that is, that kind of cheeky so I've got those thing. and I've got the, uh, that's the next generation ones there as well. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> uh, what, hang on, what holders are they? Uh, Pez dispensers, if you remember that little candy bricks that you, you, you put oh, in right, and, and then you tip right. the uh, things back yeah, and they yeah, pop out. Yeah. Oh my God, I want one. So there you go. Um, so I'm, you know, I've got, uh, there's no qualms against Star Trek in this household. <laughs> no, they can, they can mutually live together. And you imagine Absolutely. a party with all those characters together. There we go. Let, there we go. There's a visual to end on, listeners. Imagine that Christmas party uh, with all the characters from both Star Wars and Star Trek all in one glorious party together in space. Oh, love it. I think it's good to escape a little bit in these days, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, um, going back to the, the the Mandalorian show that's on at the moment, I mean, it's it's the highlight of our week to, to have that. And they're only about half an hour episodes, but just to have that to look forward to each week, uh, particularly as we've got, come into the autumn and, and yeah. there's not much else to... Uh, to look forward yeah. to at the moment it's well it's, there we it's go that's, that's a tip listeners bring bring that into your life um and maybe go on youtube and look look back on all those episodes that i've been referring to which most of you will not know at all because you are not old enough um but yeah i love this i yeah, i love this so much i'm now thinking gosh this needs to be a bit of a theme i i i need to do this with some other stuff and bringing completely what appear to be slightly non-connected to business ideas and i mean i did it with theater with peter john cooper mm -hmm. in a previous episode so i think it's it's very doable so i've yeah. absolutely loved it well that's why i really i really liked what uh, what david merriman scott was saying which is obviously what, what the spark yeah. of, of what caused this conversation to happen um because he was talking about it almost to begin with in, in a very sort of face value way of one person connected with another but i think once you go deeper you realize all the connections to our, our real life that exist in these stories that we that we tell and we enjoy um, but not just that, it, like our other passions as well. I mean, you know, we could do a whole episode, you and I, about music. And exactly. I think we've talked before about how sort of punk rock has, has had an influence on the way that we uh, we, yeah. we, we, um, we handle yeah. ourselves in our work. Oh, so, look, yeah. look, look, look what Liam's Setting you up for next Christmas. <laughs> what? a bit of a teaser there. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. Um, next Christmas, if not before, that is a must. We will do that. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome there, thank you for having is me is there anything is there any sort of um like normally i wrap up by saying you know do you, people contact you connect all the rest of it i mean where's the best yeah. place? Do you, uh, I mean, you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram, etc. at Liam Toms. Uh, yeah. And I have a website, liamtoms.com, where I'm trying uh, to write more about this sort of thing. So I've, I've posted a couple of articles on there about Star Wars and how it connects to uh, our real lives. Um, but it's, um, it, I mean, it's something that, that for me, and I've, I've got you to thank for this, Tricia, actually. Uh, some time ago, you did a talk um, for the BU Alumni Association, obviously we're both part of that, yeah. um, that uh, was about imposter syndrome and, and that sort of thing and it, it really started me thinking about trying to bring uh, my sort of my hobbies and my interests closer to uh, the work that I do on a, on a daily basis because I think for a long time uh, I, I separated them out and, and I think that a lot of that was because I was quite young and you know just starting out in my yeah. career and you sort of like you're kind of like on that path of thinking like, oh, I must keep them separate. Uh, yeah. But what I'm trying now actively to do is, is, to, is to bring them closer together. So yeah, it's uh, very timely to have this conversation. Oh, 
And that's just what I, that's just the journey that I had to go on as well. And there'll be loads of listeners for whom that is something. Yeah. Just, just listen up. Oh, that's all I'm saying here. Um, absolutely. Brilliant. Okay. Difficult to end conversations like this, but we better do that. <laughs> and um, yeah, have a lovely rest of your day and thanks for doing this. And we, well, I'm trying to think of a really good quote to end with. Well, this is, this is audio, so people won't see this, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do this to finish as, as a peace offering. There we go. Well, hang on, hang on. Do it again, and I'll take a screenshot. Right, and <laughs> do it again. Thank you. There we go. Is that correct? Yeah, that's brilliant. I think so. Um, I, I can't think of a Star Trek. <laughs> if anyone's wondering what's happening, it's the, uh, it's the Star Trek, uh, it's the Spock. Is it Spock's hand? That yeah, he, the, he does? The, yeah, the thing. He d you did it very well. Not everyone can do that, actually. So I'm well impressed. Yeah. And as I say, um, you have to listen to this and all the episodes of the Make It Real podcast because resistance is futile. <laughs> Take action. Try this one small well, it's step. it's Christmas for goodness sakes. Just relax, put your feet up and watch a Star Wars film or might I recommend a Star Trek film. Or look up on YouTube somewhere, I'm sure they've got them, some of the early original uh, Star Trek TV episodes. And uh, yeah, see what you think of William Shatner. Uh, no, no, it's nothing to do with him. The storylines. Have fun. Happy Christmas. Listen again, tell people about it. Go over to iTunes and leave me a review and scatter some stars around. And head over to trishalewis.com, investigation report tab, and sign up for my twice monthly newsletter with podcast updates and a whole load of extra treats that only you will get. And connect with me on LinkedIn and on Instagram would be my favourites. Look forward to the next episode. Never be